This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that has a bit of a man crush on Warren Buffett, if that hasn't been apparent already, but isn't afraid to rub its nose in its mistakes. I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. G'day, Andrew. G'day, fools. Today on the podcast, good old GDP. We like to come back to this every now and again when we get some new numbers. We'll run through that very quickly. We mentioned last (laughs) week that uh, Mr. Buffet, Uncle Warren, as we like to call him, released his latest letter. We'll have a look at the contents there and sort of some of the takeaways. And we opened the mailbag. We got a letter from a devoted listener, and they were asking about ETFs, stock selection, strike rates, and the anatomy of a losing stock. So we'll go through all of that as well. That's you, James. Stay listening. Yes, absolutely. Scott, though, first. Yes. GDP. Oh, the most. The reason people listen to this podcast. It's the only the reason, podcast. frankly. <laughs> I, know. I wonder what Andrew and Scott think about GDP. That's what most people thought when they turned this on. <laughs> we do the podcast. I still go back and listen to this section because it's so riveting. All 14 of the people listening right now, you're in for a special treat. All right, I'm going to run through it very quickly. Let's do it. December quarter. Yes. Up 1.1%. Hey! Hey! How much is that for the year? 2.4%. Very good read. Yes. Very good read. Um, so we mentioned before that in the September quarter, yes. there was a decline. It was bad. It wasn't great. Except now it was good. Well, so here's the thing. A recession, <laughs> or what the what the boffins like to call a technical recession, yes. is when you have two consecutive quarters of negative growth. It always sounds better when you say technical recession, like somehow some extra work has gone into it. You know, it's there's a, a recession. Smarter. Or there's a, technic- oh, a technical, technical one. technical recession. Right, okay. Yeah, technically. Okay. Two quarters in a row. Two quarters so in a row. So we had a negative quarter in No, we didn't. Well, well, so this is what happened. We had a negative quarter in September. We yeah. thought, you know what? It'd be really interesting, for want of, for want of a better word, <laughs> if we had another one. Only because you would say that. It would be the first time we've had a recession or technical recession. I'd like a recession, says Andrew. It would be interesting. In, in over 25 years. <laughs> so it's kind of like, is the dream run over? Our producer Liam has never been alive for a recession, I think that means. Yes, that may be so. <laughs> oh, mate, you haven't lived. You have not lived. Uh, all those uh, smashed Avo sandwiches uh, will get shelved. <laughs> Um, oh, there goes half of our 14 listeners. Thanks very much. Okay, down, down to seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what happened was, <laughs> is that we, not only did we get a positive read, as we just said, for mm-hmm. the December, but the ABS went back and, and changed its mind on, <laughs> Sorry, on September. Sorry, guys. I mistake. Revised it. Well, they do this all the time. So they get, they get some more, and they get, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a, a, a period of negative. Do you ever understand the concept of negative growth? <laughs> Isn't it great? It's a, it's yeah, a yeah. funny term. It's like friendly fire. But right? we didn't even, that's right. We didn't even have negative growth in September. So the good right. news is, is that we are well and truly on our way to holding the world record for the longest unbroken period of economic growth. So a week ago, there was a chance that we were going to go into a recession. Yep. And now it turns out instead, the annual growth rate is 2.4%. September was positive. December's positive. And there's no need to worry. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. Yes, fantastic. Except it wasn't all beer and Well, look, it wouldn't be economic news if there wasn't another side of the coin. <laughs> on the here. other hand. On like the other hand. Yes. And on the other hand, there was a, a couple of negatives here. Firstly, wages growth has been really awful um, for a long, long time. Yes. Um, uh, and in you can, this... You can use your favorite term. What, what sort of growth was it? Negative, negative growth. Negative growth. It was negative go. growth in the December quarter. So the wages first time fell. since 2012, yeah. total, they, they call it cost of employment, as only economists could, right? You and right. I get paid wages, but they, they have cost of employment. <laughs> um, that actually, was negative for the first time since mm. 2012. So the economy is growing. Good news. Yeah. Great. Unfortunately, on average, across Australia, we took home less money than we, we did We all got a ago. pay cut. Indeed. Yeah. So that's not good. Um, the second prong of that is as well is that the savings rate is falling and, yeah. and falling quite quite a lot. Yeah. So when... So wait, is, wait, what's what is the savings rate? Well, here's, here's the thing, right? It's the amount of money we don't spend. <laughs> so 
let's be real honest, is exactly what it sounds like, right? Yeah. So you get a hundred bucks, you spend 99, you've saved a buck, right? Okay. So it's literally what it is. And the savings rate is the percentage of the income that you keep yep. after everything, or all the bills are paid. So in your example, 1%. Right. So right. at post GFC, the savings rate spiked at almost 12%. In other words, you only spent 88 bucks for every hundred bucks we earned. And that actually led to more of the economic slowdown, right? This is the problem with recessions is when people get fearful, they stop spending. Yep. When people stop spending, we go further Makes into the recession. Makes the problem worse, yeah. Yep. So that was peaked at 12% after the GFC. Since then, we've all gone, oh, thank God, things aren't quite so bad. Woo-hoo. That number's gone from 12 mm. to 6. So the savings rate's actually halved. For context, by the way, it was negative before say, the GFC. Yeah, well, in fact, it really just hovered around that for a long time. Yep. We were all just going crazy there for a while. But the fact that it's declining actually... And we work in the economic jargon. It's actually stimulatory for the economy mm. because instead of People saving spending, the extra yeah. six bucks, yeah. we spent six bucks more. So we had 12 bucks in our back pocket. Now there's only six. Mm. So we're actually stimulating the economy by that difference. So it's not bad news in the sense that it helped the economy grow. So it's good news. But that's a trick you can only do a couple of times until yeah. we get the savings right back to zero. Well, go okay, back to zero. And then maybe even in negative, we start borrowing up again. So it, it's a couple of things to watch there. Wages, obviously, very, very important as is savings. Net, net, a good result. A pretty good result. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Speaking of good results, how's that for a segue, eh? So that was nice. Liam, were you proud of me? That was was wonderful. (laughs) So we talked talked it up quite a bit. People's people's eyes will be rolling in their head. Oh, bloody hell, Buffett again. Give it a rest, guys. But we no, did. no, we, we will not. And we said that it was about midnight on Saturday night. The letter was, was going to be released. You said you were going to wait up. Did you wait up? Oh, I can't promise I did that. But what I did there was put my four year old in front of the television at six in the morning, and I actually sat <laughs> yeah, and read, the, read it on my phone. So yeah, yeah. I wasn't quite midnight, and I probably shouldn't have put him in front of the cartoons. But it was just too. I, I couldn't do it either. But I did read it on Sunday morning. Good man. What do you think? Look, it's typical Buffett, right? And, and that's probably good and bad. If you follow Buffett for 25 years, as you and I have, mm. it kind of is a little bit more of the same, you know? And, and so that's both good and bad. I mean, the, the reality is investment advice doesn't change. Yeah. And there's not a lot that's new in the investment world. And there shouldn't be. Yeah. There's different contexts, but there's no different investment principles. And yeah. Buffett has spent 53 years running Berkshire Hathaway doing exactly what he's always done. Yeah. So that's 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 the, 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 the good news. It, it's always entertaining, though. It's always fun. And, and quite frankly... It's one of those things, if you don't read any other investment stuff during the entire year, at least read Buffett's letter. Oh, yeah. It's packed must, full of common sense. I must read. It is going to help you become a better investor. And there's a couple of key takeaways, I think. Well, let's let's start with uh, the bet, the famous the bet. bet. So exactly. uh, nearly 10 years ago, mm-hmm. he made a bet that a passive index fund yes. was almost certain to outperform any hedge fund that's yes. out there. Now, what's a hedge fund, just for our listeners? Oh, easy, right? So basically, uh, it, it specifically talking about a fund of funds. Mm-hmm. And his issue was that a hedge fund's job is to try and give you better than market returns. Yep. They normally get their, they talk on the trade, two and 20. So they get 2% of your funds for managing the money for you. And they get 20% of any outperformance. So they, they're Not kind a of- a bad deal. Yeah, yeah, you're getting screwed if you do, screwed if you don't. Or screwed, yeah. screwed, if, you, screwed if they lose and even more screwed if they, if they, right. if they win. So, right. and it's supposed to be a sophisticated way to invest Wealthy people tend to kind of try and find smart, active people to kind of do more of whatever good stuff they're supposed yeah. to have done. And that that's supposed to work. And they do a lot of stuff too, um, typically as well with, you know, sh- what they call short positions where you can make money yeah. in a falling market. So it's one, it's really trying to have your cake and eat it too. We, markets go up, markets go down, but a hedge fund will try to give positive returns in all periods. Yeah. And, and <laughs> that's what it says on the tin. Anyway. Yeah, it never does. Yeah. They're, they're not necessarily hopeless things. They're just less good than some really, really simple alternatives. Well, that's what Buffett's bet was. Right. And so he put the bet out there for ages. No one would take it, which is, <laughs> which is really odd given the size of the industry. And we not, should say he's... His bet was that that a basic index ETF, so yep. effectively think about 
the market, the market writ large. You can buy a, a thing on the ASX or the US stock market mm-hmm. that tracks the overall market mm. for a very, very, very small fee. And Buffett's bet was if you bought that index, you would do better than a group of five, I think it was, funds chosen by anybody that were these hedge funds. So the smartest guys in theory in the world, yep. running these great hedge funds, earning their squillions of dollars and driving their fancy cars and driving their fancy yachts. Mm-hmm. These smartest guys in the world, he bet they couldn't beat the market average mm. after fees, and that's the important part. So we've still got a year to go. We do. We're nine years that? in. Although I think the the other half has conceded, <laughs> they are so far behind. Yeah. Now, the, the, what's interesting about this is that partly that's um, a, a consequence of of stock picking performance mm-hmm. and investment now, but it's more so to do with fees. That's right. And this is the big challenge. So. The, the, it's very, very, very hard to beat the market, right? It's just really hard to beat the market because the market is the combination of everybody making as intelligent a decision as they possibly can. Tell me something so, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so, so beating the market's really tough. That's what you and I are supposed to do every day, right? That's hard. Now, yeah. that's hard enough. But if we were running a hedge fund mm. and we were charging our investors 2% to manage their money, mm. we've got to beat the market by at least 2% just for them to break even because yeah. they've got to pay us first. Yeah. And that's the hard part. So beating the market is tough. 2% doesn't the market sound like by, a lot, by the way, but it's, it's right. quite significant. Well, the difference between yeah. say 10% and 12% a year yeah. is enormous. Both it's enormous compounded and it's enormously hard to do. Yeah. And so they didn't do that. In fact, they've gone so horribly badly that about three years, two, three years ago, Buffett and the other counterparty decided to basically settle the bet. They, yeah. changed, they transferred the cash into Berkshire <laughs> shares cool. of all things just to, really, <laughs> just to really rub salt into the wounds. Salt into the wounds. And, and it's going to get paid out. So, the, you know, it. the message here is... It is absolutely possible for individual funds to beat the market. There sure. are some great quality stock pickers out there. Yeah. And we're not saying it's not possible. What we're saying is, writ large, the managed fund industry costs individual investors an absolute squillion dollars a year because of all the fees they take out before they even think about whether they get deliver- uh, market-beating performance delivery. If you're an investor, if, you, if your fund can beat the market, great. But can't beat the market, you're much, much better off in, in, the, in an index or individual stocks Particularly, and remember, always check after fees, not before. In the words of Waza, and alas, the huge fixed fees charged by all of the funds and funds of funds involved, fees that were totally unwarranted by performance, were such that their managers were showered with compensation over the nine years that have passed. As Gorgon, Gordon Gecko might have put it, fees never sleep. Exactly. And this is, this is the great beauty line. of Warren Buffett, right? For, remember the Money Never Sleeps line is from Wall Street, yeah. the, the famous movie. Feast Never Sleep, I think, is even more isn't it? Isn't it? Fantastic. It so uh, and the other, one of the other things I wanted to pick up on from the letter too yes. was this notion of buybacks. Yes. So, uh, not, give, not gun buybacks, share buybacks. Yeah, share Just buybacks. to be clear. I don't think anyone was thinking that, but <laughs> well, thanks, thanks for clarifying. This is the United States. So for those that don't know, yes. um, a company can buy back its own shares. Indeed. So I, you know, I'm BHP or whoever I am. I've got however many hundred million shares out mm-hmm. there. I can go onto the market and I can buy my own shares. Yes. And then when I do that, I tear them up and I chuck them in the bin. Yes. Why would I do that? So that everyone who's left on the share register owns a little bit more of the company than they did before. The pizza's cut up into less slices. Exactly right. So, um, or, or, you know, it had to, had to cut up less slices once it's cut, but maybe the slices are kind of <laughs> joined back together and glued with sticky tape. Melt, and, melt, melt some cheese. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll find a way. Anyway, the, we like the pizza slice analogy in investing. Don't it's what we, we do. Don't we? Um, Liam's laughing. He's heard it like 84 times in the it short like, time yeah, we've been doing this. It was funny the first one. <laughs> it was never funny. No. The, um, the, the buybacks are all about helping investors who own shares in the company from owning a little bit more of the value of that business. So let's say that you and I, Andrew, owned a house together. Mm-hmm. Now, I might want the whole house to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I offer to buy the other half of the house off you. Yep. Now, if I buy that house back at it, so let's say the house is worth a million bucks. Okay. I say to you, Andrew, I'll offer you $400,000 for your share. Okay. So we're talking about a one-bedroom unit out in Penrith? Ah, uh, yeah. studio. Okay, studio. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, I offer you $400,000 for mm-hmm. your half of the million-dollar apartment. Mm-hmm. You want to take the money? 
Uh, it seems like I'm getting a bit of a, a bad deal there. Right, but if I'm, if but, but you, if you were me, you'd do it, right? Oh, absolutely. Right, and if I offered you six hundred thousand dollars for your half, oh, take I'd take it in a heartbeat. Right, but that'd be stupid of me to offer, right? You'd, you'd have to you'd really evaluate <laughs> things. Yeah, well, some, some would say that would be interesting. Nutshell. Yep. The, the the and this is the buyback. This is exactly the point Buffett's making about buybacks. Yeah. Is buying back. So I want, I want to buy back my half of the unit. You want to buy back your half of the unit. Yeah. It's, it makes sense as long as the price you're paying is an attractive price. If I pay more than over, if I pay over the odds for that, then I'm losing money because I could we could I could make you sell the whole unit. I take my half million dollars, we get a half million bucks each, walk away. Man, this is ridiculously obvious. Why are we even pointing this out? Because so many CEOs and, and company chairmen like to try and be special and clever and whatever and try and increase the. So how do you increase earnings per share? Less shares. Yeah. Right. So. If, I, if my job is to increase earnings per share, so I get my bonus, mm. how do I do it? Well, I can actually make more profits, but if I can't do that or won't do that, mm. I just buy back some shares. EPS goes up. Hey, I've made money for everybody. Yeah. The fact I've overpaid for the, your half the unit is, is irrelevant in this context, mm. right? Because I've just increased the per share earnings. Yeah. Um, alternatively, they do it because they think the shares are undervalued and they're not. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of reasons companies do it. As, as Buffett said, and I'll, 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 I'll turn to quote him, he said, or CEO and the board should hold hands and all say what is sensible at one price is stupid at another. Yeah. Share buybacks are great. They're fantastic ways of increasing the value of your and my shareholdings of a company as long as they're buying back at an attractive price. Yeah. If I'm giving you 400 grand for your half the million dollar apartment, I'm a smart bloke. Yeah. If I'm giving you 600 grand, I'm stupid. Yeah. And frankly, there are both those types of CEOs on the ASX just as there are in the It US. happens all the time. Now, there were two important caveats to what he was talking about there. The first is, is that you have no better use for the money, really. Indeed. So if you've got some really good um, investment projects that you could be doing as CEO, right, right. sowing the seeds for future future growth, you should probably be doing that. Right. Now, to, to, to take the, use the analogy, if I've got half a million bucks, instead of giving you the half a million bucks, if I can invest it in the unit, yeah, and, and sell for two million dollars down the track. Yeah, then we're much better off spending that much, money to double the money smarter. rather than we're all better off from doing that. Correct. And the other one is if you have a you know a use for that cash outside of it as well. Right. So moving right along, fear, uh, fear, so, fear and greed. Oh, like, fear. like this is you know this is one of, again. I feel like we're pointing out the blindingly obvious <laughs> here, but it, it just it's so rare that out in the industry that it's worth saying and. And this is something that I think everyone nods at and understands, uh, really, really understands. Mm. Um, but the, none of us do it when when the time comes. And so Buffett was basically saying, look, during scary periods, you should never forget two things. First, widespread fear is your friend so as other an investor. Are, other people are scared. I'm, I should be happy. Well, because it serves up bargain pro- purchases, right. as he says. Second, personal fear is your enemy. It will also be unwarranted. Investors who avoid high and unnecessary costs and simply sit for an extended period with a collection of large, conservatively financed American businesses, in our case, Australian businesses, will almost certainly do well. Pretty much sums itself up. <laughs> it's nothing really bad. <laughs> I, have, I have nothing to add to Charlie Munger. Well, I, I, the thing, the thing is, uh, is that I would just state here is that again, ob- that is obvious. Yep. Um, w- before any crash, with markets doing pretty well at the moment, yep. um, you've heard me say more than once, Scott. Oh, you know, <laughs> if the market crashed, I'm, I'm going to be in there. I'm going to be buying with my ears pinned back. Yes. But the reality is, is when that happens, the markets crash for for reasons, and and th- th- they're very scary. When you've got everyone out there, every talking head, every media article. Every CEO talking about the end of the world, the person who actually goes, yes, I am going to buy, mm. um, is, is a very, very rare thing to do. We all think so, we're going to. Very few of us actually do it. Yeah. And you know what? I, I was pretty good last time around, last crash, but but my big regret was I was too timid. So I was buying, but I wasn't buying. I should have been backing up the truck, you know? And I think that's 
that's a lesson that I'd really put out there for, for a lot of people. And the other thing I would say there as well is that even though your prices will suffer, if you've got good quality businesses, they'll, they'll bounce back. If the business is still around in the future and earning more, it will bounce back. We don't know when, we don't know when the bottom will be, but over time that, that capital will be protected and you get some great buying opportunities. So as Buffett would say, be fearful when others are greedy. Yeah, we've flogged that horse to death. Let's, 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 let, let's get on to this email. Excellent. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. James, yeah. Yeah, thanks for the email, uh, email, James. It was really good. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here. He says, I've been a fool since August 2015, and it's been a real eye-opener. The podcast has been a great addition. Hey, hey. Uh, (laughs) That was a a gratuitous part. Let's just stop He did actually write that for the record, and we could have taken it out, but why would we, Why why would we, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've invested six times based on your recommendations. Two out of two for the ETFs, uh, VGS and MOAT, but but only one out of four of the stock picks has risen. So you're saying two out of the two ETFs have risen, in other words, they've both gone up? 100% strike rate. But only one of the four stocks he's picked has gone up. (laughs) So Uh, we are we just really bad stock pickers? Uh, well, the jury's out, I think, on that. <laughs> well, we'll come back to that. Um, All right. Uh, so what he's really saying here might be... An, well, actually, let's let, let's start with that bit here. He asked a very clear question. Is it indicative of wider wisdom that lumping in on an ETF makes more sense over the long term? In other words, the ETFs are up, the stocks are down. Does it mean I just should buy more ETFs? I would say it depends. Firstly, <laughs> firstly, it's very hard to draw some some longer term generalizations from a, a very. Um, it feels like a long period. Sixteen of time. months. Yeah, but it is. Yep. It's a blink in the Eight eye months, yeah. um, in, in investment timeframes. Mm-hmm. So I, I wouldn't say that. I would, however, say that I think the the majority of people should be investing in ETFs, mm-hmm. unless you've got a passion for this kind of stuff, unless you've got a real interest in, in, in wanting to get involved or and read up, educate very high quality investment service they can join. And Mate, even, I would, I would even then say my boss is going to kill me now, but I would even say you've still got to take a bit of an active. It's not something that you can just sort of, you know, um, be extraordinarily passive on and you, you've, you've got to put some effort in like we'll anything worthwhile in life. You do. <laughs> We're here to help. We'll do what we can. Our services are beating the market. We're very, very proud of that, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you, you need to take some ownership. So um, I, I would say if you're the kind of person who's just looking to get some very, very, very decent long-term investment returns, but you just really couldn't give a stuff about <laughs> all of the, the stuff that we, we talk about, um, then, yeah, an ETF is – it's a no-brainer. There's there's very little paperwork to it. There's very little tax. And, and you are guaranteed to beat half of the market. Yeah, and this is the thing. So James talks about, you know, the ETFs are up, the stocks are down, what's going on? Mm. And, he, and he's absolutely right to ask the question. Here's what people don't necessarily understand as well about what's happening here. When you buy individual stocks, you're hoping to beat the market, right? Mm. You're saying to the market, you're wrong, I'm right. Yeah. But then if you expect the market's going to go, oh, yeah, good point, Scott. You're, yeah, you're, you're dead right, actually, my mistake. Yeah. And the share price is going to jump up because all of a sudden we've told the market it's wrong. Yeah. It's never going to happen, right? So yeah. the collective wisdom of the crowd right now says that you're wrong, that that. Woolies is worth 25 bucks. Let's mm-hmm. pick that example, right? Mm-hmm. I think Woolies is worth 35 bucks. If I buy it today, the market's going to go up all of a sudden. In fact, if I think the market's wrong, the market's probably too pessimistic. Mm. If you're pessimistic about a stock, which way is it most likely to go down? It's going to go, sorry, which way it's going to go? It's going to go mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. So if, if the market hates Woolies, but I think it's going to turn around, it's not going to turn around just as I want to. In fact, it's probably going to get worse because that pessimism is so pervasive. You're not so, turning into a momentum trader. No, but you? here's the thing. So this is why you're going to miss the market, right? Because yeah. you can't know when the market's going to change its mind. Mm. If we're wrong, by the way, it'll never change its mind and we're going to sure. lose money. But if we're right, it's going to take time for that to happen. Yes. Cochlear was 80 bucks. It put out a recall for the um, some implants, lost yeah. a Chinese contract. Yeah. The shares went to 55 bucks. Now, if you'd bought it 75, No, it went to 45, didn't it? There you go. 
So if I, you know, because I was buying it like <laughs> like crazy at 60, thinking I was the world's smartest man. Right. And the, and the shares kept falling. So this is a great example, right? Lot, so it fell way. to 55, yeah. then to 50, then to 45. And you're thinking, bloody hell, I must be wrong. The market's wrong. Well, you didn't think you were wrong because you knew better than that. But <laughs> if, if James had asked the question and said, what the hell are you guys doing recommending Cochlear? The shares are falling through the floor. You guys are idiots. Yeah. Should I just stick to ETFs? Now, the Cochlear share price is now well over 110, 120 maybe even at there. the moment. Yeah. And so that turnaround has come after the market's had time to realize it overreacted in the Oh, first we're talking place. period of years. Now, if we're yeah. right about that, it's going to well and truly pay us. Yeah. The flip side, by the way, is we know markets go up two years out of three. Yeah. So if you've got an ETF that tracks the market, you're more likely to gain than lose. Yeah. If you're buying a stock you think the market's wrong about, frankly, in the short term, you're probably more likely to lose than win mm. because you can't know when the bottom is. But if yeah. you buy good quality businesses that are cheap, over the long term, they will come back. Yeah. And so James is one out of four. I would bet, well, yeah, it'll probably be closer to two or three out of four, probably three out of four yeah. in two years' time. If we're right about those stocks he's picked, it'll be if we're right about them, and we have been so far, he's more likely to make money than lose money over that time period. But you have to wait it out because the market's got to realize it's wrong if we're right. Absolutely. So this is uh, this is the thing. It, it, it's it's that old saying. It's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. Ah, oh, you go. God, you love that saying, don't you? <laughs> you know, and, and I think that's all true. The the other thing that, um, but Peter Lynch talks a lot about this as well. Is this the idea that if you're good at stock picking, you're right six times out of ten? Yep. Which to invert that means that you know you're wrong four times out of 10. And the important part is that means you beat the market. Right? So when he says good, he means if you're a market beating stock picker, yeah, right. you'll be right six times out of 10. So the ETFs might be all up yep. and the stocks might be, half the stock might be down. Yeah. But if your overall average return is positive and beating the market, it's worth having being wrong a few times because the ones you're right about will well and truly pay the bills. Yeah. Look, you know, it's stuff we talk about a lot, but you know where I do cringe a little bit about this, Scott? If, if, if we were snake oil salesmen. If we were. And complete charlatan. <laughs> Wouldn't we be saying the same thing? So I, I, I'm at home with my dartboard and I'm just throwing stuff at the AFR. Yep. And I go, oh, that looks good. I'm going to put a buy recommendation out in that. Yep. And it ends up going really badly. And, and, and my clients say, well, what's going on here? Isn't it, isn't it really easy and really convenient for me to go, oh, we're long-term and, you know, sometimes you lose and sometimes you don't and it takes a while for you. I mean, isn't that exactly what you would say? Let me be both flippant and serious at the same time. Imagine you're sitting in Bay 13 at the MCG. Mm-hmm. You're playing the poms yep. and you're ahead by, let's say, let's end, end of day two. Okay. They're all up 155 and you're two for 300. Okay. You're on Bay 13 going, look at the scoreboard. <laughs> and it comes down to, you don't have, don't, don't trust us. Don't trust anyone just because they say something. Yeah. Check their track record, check what they're doing, how they do it. And if it, if they're right, then go with that. If yeah. it's just, if just knuckleheads on a, on a podcast banging on about something, check our scorecard, see what, see how we're going. You know, the, the results will speak for themselves or they won't. And that's, that's, you, you asked exactly the right question. Mm. The answer is look at the performance. Yeah, absolutely. Are we done? Oh, I think we've got to be look, done. James, we? we have got a second half of your question. We'll ask, we'll answer that next week. So stay tuned. Mailbag suspense. How's that? Hey, <laughs> you won't know what James asked next unless you tune in next week. And that 20 minutes goes fast. Well, fast for us. Incredibly, <laughs> incredibly slowly for the listeners. Hopefully we got you through a car ride or a bus trip. The, or yeah. The mowing or something. Thanks for listening. Um, remember you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money Podcast through iTunes or an Android podcast app. And as we always say, please give us a five-star rating. We always appreciate it. And Andrew, don't forget, you can subscribe to Take Stock, the Motley Fool's free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. That's it for this week. Until next time, fool on. Fool on.
The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.